welcome back to the Progress with Unity podcast in the virtual studio tonight. There's myself, Barry, how are we doing? I'm okay, Simon, thank you. Good, it's good to have you You're back in the starting lineup. Uh, Paul, how are we doing? Yeah, a bit snotty this week. I've uh, not been so good, but, you know, struggling on. Yeah, well, let's hope we get better soon. Uh, Adam, how's it going? Yeah, very well, thanks, apart from the football. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll come to that a little bit later. I'm going to do things a bit differently now. And um, tonight we've got a very, very special guest on the podcast. And uh, when you work out who it is through this uh, introduction, just leave a comment who you think it is. So he's, he's originally from Leeds. We signed him from Barnsley, scored 10 league goals in his first season. He's won the auto windscreens. He's scored the most league goals for the club. If you haven't got it by now... You should have. We're absolutely delighted to be joined by one of the greatest ever to pull on the blue and white for Wigan Athletic. It is, of course, Sir Andy Lind- Liddle. Andy, how are we doing? I'm all right, mate. How are you doing? Thanks for really getting my name right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, I've had it all wrong. I'll tell you what, I've got shirts with your name on the back. It's uh, one that right. I've even got... Um, Tat, who did the, the artwork, I've got a picture of you up on my living room wall, so it's... Uh, you'll I, uh, I think I've probably got the same one, the gentleman was kind enough to send one to me as well, so I, uh, uh, I've got one as well, it's, it's a brilliant piece of artwork, I'm very honoured for somebody to do that, take the time to do that, it's amazing. Well, you know, that's how much you were held in um, you know, high regard at, at Latics, and I feel, I feel sorry for those who um, didn't get to see you play through some of the... Um, Better years for the club, obviously on that on that meteoric rise. But we'll come to that. We'll come to that all in a bit. I know Barry's got some uh, questions around and some stuff around that. But first of all, obviously you're um, you're not based in the UK at the minute. You're in a sunnier climes. You're out in Portugal. How's that uh, treating you? It's great. Yeah, uh, I live in the Algarve now. I moved here. We've been here two years and a month. I think we moved in September 2018 when my uh, work finished here at Creech Town. Uh, decided to just go for it basically and uh, it is, it's a really nice place to live I must admit the sun shines 10 months of the year uh, it's outdoor living uh, it's you know it's it's really really nice it's a great place it's a great place to live it's uh, it's really good are you a, are you a keen golfer at all do you do you get out and play much because you've got I play more I played more golf in England than I do in Portugal it's too expensive here I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid it's, uh, it's out of my price range you, you're yeah. talking three figures to play around a golf and I ain't got, uh, although I love it and if somebody invites me to play with them, I sometimes play with a member if it's half price, but I don't really have the time and doing working things in between that. But when I can get out there, I love, I, I do, I do love golf. I think most footballers, next footballers uh, tend to like the sport. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so we'll start off with um, just some, you know, recap. So what, what your f- fondest memories for your time at Wigan? Um, which you know, like I say, was on that that crest of a wave after we uh, we signed you from Barnsley. Uh, well, I think initially jo- joining the club obviously was there was a lot of ex Barnsley connections there. John Benson was basically signed me. Uh, I know Ray was the manager, but John was was John signed me basically, and um, I'd played I'd, I'd played for John at Barnsley in the reserves, and he'd obviously seen a lot of me. And then Brendan O'Connell was on the. And I can't remember if Brendan was actually still a player when I signed our coach, and I think he was on the coaching staff. I think he was coaching staff. Anyway, there was a lot of ex players, Lee Butler, Charlie Bishop, all these guys had, you know, quite a lot had, had been there. So it was a big connection between that. And I just remembered sort of 
feeling wanted that they wanted to sign me. My time at Barnsley was coming to an end. Um, I, I felt that I should have been playing in Barnsley's team and people were playing because they were having to sell those players and keep them in the shop window. I didn't think that was fair. So when Wigan came in for me, showed me that they wanted me to sign me. And I saw the ambition of the club, and especially Mr Whelan, who I knew would take them to the Premier League. Uh, it was just a matter of time. Uh, it wasn't really a difficult choice. They, they made me feel very welcome. And then, you know, from making my debut, I just enjoyed every minute of it. But, I, you know, I, I enjoyed every minute of playing professional football. I must say that, you know, I, I love my time at Wigan, but I got paid to play football. I played football since I was three years old. So <laughs> it was the best job in the world for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I say, I, I'm very fortunate that... Um... You know, I was like, I was 14 at the time watching you, you know, you play. Um, and it, it must, if you look back now and knowing where, the, where Wigan have gone um, to what they currently are, we was in a good moment, weren't we? We were backed by Mr. Whelan and the drive was there. I know it's um, it's a shame you weren't there for, for long because it was 2004 you left, wasn't it? Um, when you left Wigan, just a, a year before. Or two seasons before we uh, we got promoted, but what you did was important part of that process, wasn't it, to get to club to where it was? And you've seen um, players come in. You know, you played. Do you play alongside Lee McCulloch? Um, Yeah. You know, know, absolutely fantastic. And I look back at it now and look at the players that we had. We had some fantastic players in that um, that squad, and you know, went on to do. Some went on to do bigger and better things, and some were coming towards the end of their careers, weren't they? At the time, um, what stories have you got? What's what's the um, let, let's go for you know like a fifty? If it was a certificate for a movie about fifteen, what's what's the best story you could uh, tell us from your time at Elastics? Uh, the best, or gone, or the worst, or what's what's um, what's the most memorable? Um, thing that happened uh, there, there was a few most of them involved Bullard Bullard's a lunatic most of them involved Bullard and then Flynn joined and Flynn was his little Flynn was his little target Michael Flynn was his, he was the butt of his butt of his jokes Jimmy just basically took the piss out of him every single day every single minute of every single day of his life so those stories involving him that I probably probably couldn't tell um, there was a uh, there were, there was a, one of the funny one of the funny ones was uh, and this was funny. It, 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 I wasn't actually there to witness it, but uh, Nick Eden was uh, in the shower with um, a couple of the, a couple of the lads, and he'd been left out the team. This is he'd been left out the team, and he was gobbing off in the in the shower room, and obviously he's thinking it's a private conversation, and. Uh, the manager Paul Jewell walked behind the showers, and there were vents in the shower. He could hear every word. <laughs> he could hear every word. <laughs> and uh, Nicky got the curly finger up to the up to the changing room and uh, up to the the manager's office, and jagged Paul Jewell absolutely berated him, repeated every word that he said to him. And he couldn't just go out. We just had to sit there and take it. And when uh, when Paul gave you a bollocking, by the way, he did not want that because that was a ferocious bollocking that he had to give. But to be fair, he'd forget about it after. So that was one of the tamer ones. But Bullard has you know, all sorts. He was hiding in laundry bins, jumping in out on the, the ladies when they'd come and get the kit. He was jumping out and scared the life out of them. Uh, there was there was, there was there was quite a few. But there were, when you go, you go back to some of the players you were saying, the most important thing, they were good players. They were obviously good players because you watched them. 
Yeah. But they were good characters. They were real. We had a really, really good team spirit because you had to. You had to be... Uh, you had to have a, a tough character because Paul was demanding. Paul was the best manager I played for at Wigan, obviously, because he got the best results and he, and, and he, he got the best out of his players. But it was very tough to play for. You, you had to be fit and athletic on an Olympic level, I'm telling you. Some of the training we used to do, oh, brutal. Physically, yeah. I mean. And uh, you had to cope with that. We had some real good players, but as athletes, that's the fittest team I've ever played for, that one. In the last, probably the last two seasons I was at Wigan, that's the fittest team I've ever played in. They were machines because they had to be. Because training was like, we, we trained with a ferocity that uh, I don't think any of my other years that, 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 that was that ferocious. The, the intensity of it, the, the running, the uh, competitiveness. And then when it was like that, you could see the results that went. And then obviously they progressed in the Premier League, got better players got rid of the players like me before they got to the Premier League and then they could spend more and more and more but they still had to have that work ethic that Paul demanded because if you didn't work hard for Paul you didn't, you didn't care how good you were you weren't going to last um, and you know you must have done something right because you're a you're a cult hero at the club you know Adam uh, was meant to be recording for the um, Northampton Town podcast tonight doing a section for them as soon as we told Mandy Liddell was coming on he's, you know, he's, he's been them off um, but what what do, what do you felt made the club so special at that time that you know we, we were drawing you know decent crowds at that level uh, playing at the you know the, the JJB as it was then um, mm. for, for players like yourself you know you 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 you'd been at the top level with Barnsley um, yeah. there were other players Paul Jewell um, was a you know a real um, up and coming manager what what was mm. the was it just Mr. Whelan's dream that was a drive, or, or was it was it something else that brought you to the club? The reason I joined the club is because they made me feel wanted, and I wanted to play every week. And they said, if you stay fit and you play as we know you can play, you're going to play every week. You know, there's only you that's going to make you lose your place in the team by not playing very well or not putting the work in. Well, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to do either of them things. I was going to make sure that I played well and I worked hard every single match that I played for all the teams I played for I like to think nobody could ever accuse watching me and say oh, he's not working very hard because that never happened but you know, you know Dave had a dream but the, let's, let's have it right the club took off when Paul got the manager's job yeah you know as soon as soon as I got I got there we were signing players we were signing good players you know they were spending quite a few quid on players but we were going through managers I know John took it over and we, and we should have done it that season we should have we should have we messed that up um, and then we had Bruce, who I didn't really get on with, to be quite honest. He had some difficult issues that we, I don't know, a lot of the players just couldn't, I don't know. A very, very, very knowledgeable man about football, but the players just got warm to him for some reason. Well, I know the reasons, but um, it, 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 and then, you know, just kept, but as soon as Paul came, you could see this young, well, not, obviously he's older than us, but in young in managerial terms, hungry, uh, didn't take any shit. He just didn't. He just laid it on the line and said, this is how I want it. If you don't want to do it, there's the door. Piss off. And uh, I, I'm, I'm quite proud, actually, that I survived the cull because it was a big cull when Paul <laughs> came. He got yeah. rid of a lot of players. He got rid of a lot of players. And I don't think there were many of us that survived. And I think the ones that survived, he could see that he could rely on as, as men, as characters. 
to do what he wanted to do because it, it wasn't hard what he was asking you to do. He was asking you to run and run and run and then run some more. And while you're doing that, play some decent football. And you know, it, it really took off when when Paul was there. You could see you, you could see the results. You know, we, we went through League One. You know, we were pissing all over teams. To be quite honest with you, we were battering them physically and verbally because we didn't have no there weren't no shy boys out on that pitch we used to give some of them players that we were playing against absolute dogs abuse when we were battered in them that's part of the game we didn't have no shrinking violets so uh, we'd do that and then we got into the the championship and in my last season we should have got in the playoffs it was the last last flipping game of the season the last kick of the season we should have done it and then I left and, and, and sort of they went into bigger and better things got to the Premier League it was a matter of time once Paul got what he wanted and got the squad he wanted and got on playing how he wanted to play. There was only one way they were going up because he was being backed by a fella that was just backing him to the hilt. So it's not it, football. All these guys, I know I watch the, I don't watch that much football now at the minute. I've got to be honest because it ain't real football, but it, it, it's not complicated. It ain't complicated football. Get some good players that have got a good character with a good manager. If you've got a few quid even better, you're going to have a good team. Do you, I know you talk about that last game, and it's just something that sticks out to me. Cause it's one of those games that forever sits in, you know, it sits in my mind as 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 what went on. Because I, I remember the day, twenty thousand plus people in for a you know, for a game, and obviously the size of the size of the club of Wigan and what's around you. Um, what was the build up like to that game? Um, what was the feeling like around the camp? Was there a real genuine belief that? we could do it or did it feel a little bit too early looking back at it now? Because obviously what no. happened the season after? No, it was a, it was a total belief that we were going to do it. Total belief. That team had total belief. I tell you now, it had total belief because it had the, the manager had total belief in the players. We lost out by goal and sometimes, you know, he did, I remember Paul in the changing room saying he was always a big oh, you make your own luck and blah, blah, blah. But he said to us after that game, we didn't deserve that. We did not deserve what just happened out there. Because we'd been fantastic all that season. We were the surprise package. We'd come up from League One, got some better players. I remember we started off that season like house on fire, battering teams. Not just beating them, belting them. And uh, nobody could see see it coming. Other, But we knew it was coming. You know, we, we, we knew we were a good team. We had some good players. We had a good squad. We had some good strikers, good midfielders, good defenders. It's just that day, I, I don't know. It was just... The build-up was the same as any other game it was it wasn't it, it we just had total belief we were going to do it and we were there until the last kick of the game but that's football isn't it have, have you spoken to or seen Brian Dean since then since he's got that uh, no that, no, no, no. He, I, don't, I don't think he's welcome much in Wigan uh, but obviously then we had a, a great season the year after uh, and started that yeah. that Premier League dream um but like you say, I, I just I got, got the team up um, from that final game. You know, John Filan, he you know played at the top yeah. level, great keeper. Nick Eden, class defender, fantastic him. player, the most underrated player that Wigan had. Yeah, telling uh, you, Ian Brecken, uh, yeah, Jason Devos. You know, I, I yeah. love Devos at uh, Latics. Um, Leighton Baines, we all know what he went on and achieved. You know, a, a, a tremendous career at. Uh, but you could see we could, we could we knew that was going to happen. from the first training session that Leighton joined in with us when he was seventeen. You could see that that kid was going to be because what people didn't see, well, they did see it when they saw it. But we saw it every day. He was he was nasty and he was hard. He came to train with us when he was seventeen with the first team. He went through somebody and cut me in half. 
And normally kids, when they come and train, they're a bit, Ooh, you know, he went, you know, have some of that. And we were like, oh, who's this? And then just progressed. Every, so that was, that wasn't a surprise to anybody. I, None of the players anyway. There was some pace in that team as well, wasn't there? Because Teeley, yeah. uh, down the wing, you know, he, he wasn't shy of getting forward, was he getting there? Right, yeah, um, he spoke about Jimmy Bullard. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've seen him go on and um, how much of a crap yeah. he's been. Um, one for me, I was, it's a shame, he, you know, never really continued his journey with us in, you know, in, in the sense of the Premier League, was Jason Jarrett. Um, for me, it was that, a, that was Jason's fault. That was Jason's fault. That wasn't the club's fault. That was Jason's fault. I think he went chasing a little bit of uh, chasing a little bit of too much money. I think Jason. I think he probably regrets. Wigan. I've spoken to him after since he left, and uh, I think he made a mistake when he left Wigan. But listen, when people offer you a lot more money, it, it's hard to say no sometimes. It, well, that's it, it can be hard to say no. And there's there's another player um, in that bracket um, in the, in the shape of uh, Nathan Ellington. You know. Up yeah. there, one of the, the best strikers that we've we've ever had at the club, and obviously, I think the season after you left, we brought in Roberts, didn't we? And you know, had the yeah. such a prolific. No, I think Jason was there. Jason, Jason was there. Jason, Jason. there. You, oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was it like playing with um, with them two? You know, up front because for, for for me as a fan, and probably for the rest of us, when you knew Roberts and Ellington are starting, you, you're just expecting goals. Um, yeah. you, look, you look back at the Preston you know when we played Preston um, Roberts's uh, debut and, and things like that you know you never feared us getting a result really with that team No well Jason's probably one of the strongest players I've ever played with or against to be honest he was an absolute beast uh, technically not as good as Nathan no, nowhere near as good as Nathan technically and Nathan wasn't a total technical player like Jimmy, who could just do a lot of things with a ball. They were all, a lot of pace and power, especially Jason. He was, you know, he was immense. His strength was unbelievable. And Nathan had that had that pace. And when the when the two of them came, when the two of them got together, I realised I wouldn't be playing centre forward much. <laughs> them two were here. So it was a case of uh, moving to midfield and Paul had spoken to me about that and that was something that was not a problem for me. But they were a, a real handful to play against. You just, you just couldn't, you couldn't stop them because they were faster than the defenders and they were stronger than the defenders. And they were in a team that probably gave them the ball where they wanted it. We put a lot of crosses in, played a lot of balls forward quickly to the to the pace that we had in the power. And uh, very, very good players, good guys as well. Both, both nice lads. Do you do you feel you could have got um, another season at Atlantics? Do you, do you feel, or do you feel looking back at it now? After retiring, that it was it was the right time to move on. Well, I had no choice. I didn't have a choice in the matter. It wasn't it wasn't like uh, Wigan offered me a contract, and no, they didn't. Uh, the, the, the policy at the time was I was thirty. I was an extremely fit thirty. I was in I was in the top group of fit players. No, don't worry about that. But the contract, the, the policy of the club at that time was to offer one year contracts. We never got down to a salary. It was to offer one year contracts to. 30 plus players. I had, a, I had a discussion with Paul, and, and that's what Paul had put the club's, con- the club's conditions were with, with Dave. Now, I had Sheffield United offering me a three year contract, yeah. and I had, Stoke, I had Stoke, obviously. Stoke wanted to sign me as well. I didn't want to leave. There's no doubt about that. I didn't want to leave. And of course, if I had my time again, I would have signed a contract at Wigan, but I wasn't offered a contract to sign at Wigan. It wasn't like, oh, I've took three years at, at Sheffield over one year at Wigan. We never got down to 
to talk in terms, to be honest, because once that once I was aware of that, obviously I had a, an agent slash solicitor and he said, one year at Wigan that you haven't spoken about Salina yet, or three years at Sheffield United or Stoke, don't really make much sense, Andy. And, you know, sometimes it's when you're time to go, it's, it, it, it's your time to go. It wasn't a matter of being forced out. My contract ended. I wasn't offered a one-year contract. I was verbally told by Paul that that was the club's uh, conditions or, you know, that's how they were doing things. And I said, that's absolutely fine. You know, next thing I know, Sheffield United are offering me a three-year contract, which was a bit of a mistake, to be honest. And Paul said, to be fair to him, he said, you won't like playing for, for Neil. Uh, it's not the same as it is here. And I said, you know, I've, I've got to take that chance. It's a massive club. I live in Leeds. There's three other lads that live in Leeds that travel to Sheffield United. Uh, you know, Sheffield United is a massive, massive club. I, I knew, I knew Wigan were going to get promoted to the Premier League the season after. I knew they were. And I had that discussion with Paul. I knew they were. But I couldn't sign something that wasn't there. It just, I just couldn't do that. So it was a shame for me. Uh, but I was, I was, I was very happy that, that, Wigan went where they went to. Uh, it's not. I, I couldn't say I regret leaving Wigan because it. it, it, it I, I didn't have a decision to make. I, I didn't have something to sign. There was nothing there. Yeah. Well, I'll, um, I'm going to finish off with two questions for myself, and I'm going to open it up to the lads because I feel like I'm. I'm just having a chat with you, and and that's <laughs> it. It's, uh, um, who was the best player you played with at Wigan, and why? The best player I played with at Wigan. The best player to play with at wing. In, in what way? All round play or just positional or, or what? All round play. All round play. That's a good question. That's a good question. That's a hard question. Nathan was a is a Nathan was a lot of power and pace and he's one of the hardest shots I've ever seen in my life. It was like a cannon. Uh Jamie was obviously a really, really Good technical football player. You know, he could, he could, he could, he could really play. He could really. He, he was, a, he was a, he was a very good player, Jimmy. He was, a, he was a technically a very good player. But I think for all round, you all, you would never guess. I'd say, it, but I think for all round, what he gave to the team, what he delivered every week, how he played, um, just teammates appreciating. I would probably say it's uh, Nick Eden. You've spoken very, very highly about Nicky, haven't you? Yeah, he could put, he could put the ball. If you were a striker, or if you were a winger, or a midfielder, he could put the ball wherever he wanted to put it, wherever he wanted to put it regularly. And because he didn't do things flash on the eye, or he didn't do things that the fans would go, "Oh my goodness me, that is unbelievable." But he used to do them things in training all the time. He could cross the ball wherever he wanted to cross it. And I played with him. At, I played with him at Barnsley. He was just, he was one of the best at Barnsley as well. Yeah, very, very underrated player. A top, top. I think if you ask a lot of the a lot of the players from that time, from that era that I played, a lot of them would would think very highly of Mickey. He was he was a very very good player. Without the fans seeing him do these things that scoring goals and running fast and beating players, you know, I would probably say it was him. And to flip it round, the I can't say the worst, but you know, who's the Maybe not the you know the laziest. Of say the, you can say the worst if you want. I'd have to say it. You can say the worst if you want. Go on then. Who was the worst player you played with? The worst at Wigan. Oh, the there was the it was the guy. Oh, what's his name? Oh, <laughs> Left an impression. 
It weren't Adam Chuck, was it, by any chance? Who? Adam Chuck. I don't know if I played with him. Come from Rangers. I think no. you did. He was uh, Paul Paul Jill early. He was early in the Paul Jill reign, wasn't he? No, I don't think it was him. No, I don't think it was. There was there was a lad. There was a lad. He was Danish or Swedish or something. He was a bit strong. Bit strong. Oh, was oh my! Yeah, <laughs> he, he was. He was. I remember he came with a great reputation, didn't he? Apparently a great box-to-box player, apparently. <laughs> run. He could yeah. run. I think Bruce signed him. Yeah, he was a Riot player. He was Bruce Riot player. Yeah. Listen, he was a nice enough lad, but he was... He was mint. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm going to pass it on to Barry now, because he's going to take a, a step back in time. Um, he's got some good facts, which I was going to steal. Go Andy, yeah. the 1st of November 2003, what does that mean to you? The day after the 31st of October 2003. <laughs> I don't think I'm sure. The day after Halloween. Crystal Palace was home on telly. Oh. Crystal Palace. Oh, that one, yeah. That's when I, that's when I, that's when I broke Lowy's heart. Yeah, it is, yeah. Goal number 67, yeah. yeah. Um Fantastic. That was the first time we ever played Palace as well. We beat them 5-0. Mm. Yeah, they, they got away with five that day. <laughs> Another one for you. 12th of January, 2002. Brighton at home. Hat-trick. Hat-trick. Your first career hat-trick. And also, yeah, it was Wigan Athletics, 1,500. League goal as well, what you scored. So was it really? Two months The main thing I remember out of that game was giving Peter Taylor verbals on the side when I was, uh, how, how can I say it, playing for a bit of time, pretend, not pretending I was injured because I'd been ticked, but I was rolling on the side of the pitch and uh, he came over and started effing and jeffing at me. And uh, I just went out the side of my hand and went like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's an actual for those who were. Uh, yeah, and the last milestone, you might not be aware of this, but didn't your dad play for Grimsby Town? Well, you'll be aware of that. Yes. Our first ever league game at home was against Grimsby Town uh, in 1978. Your dad was playing. Yeah. That was five. 3 0 it was. They did us 3 0. Oh, Grimsby did him. He didn't score me, Dad, did he? You know if he scored? Uh, I, I couldn't find the goal scorer, so I, I don't know. But I was trying oh, to check. Right. I thought oh, it was right. a very, very interesting, especially coming on tonight. Yeah, when you were talking before, earlier on about uh, John Benson and that great season we had, the great start, we yeah. seemed to go off the rails a little bit when uh, yeah. Stuart Barlow had a, a mysterious injury. Could you shed any light on that, whether he was actually injured or not? Did he? I can't, I can't, honestly, I can't remember. What happened? That was when we was... Uh, uh, we, we, stormed, we stormed the uh, league up until January. And yeah. uh, Stuart Marlowe got a... Uh, I think it was a fractured wrist they said he had. And they left him out until... He played in the playoff final at Gillingham. Yes, he did He did, yeah. But I think that was his first game back. Was it? Yeah, I tell you, you've, you've totally caught me there. I have no idea. I can't remember that. Oh, I was hoping you were going to dish a bit of dirt there. Something going on behind the scenes. No. Uh, honestly, 
I, I cannot remember that at all. I remember Stuart scoring in the, in the final, obviously. Yeah, yeah. The problem, yeah. The problem is, I remember Gillingham scoring three. They did, yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, they did. Um, well, when you first, a lot of players, when we uh, when we talk to former players and, and uh, who played at Springfield Park, they all say it was a bit of a culture shock going to play at Springfield Park because the facilities weren't the best. I mean, you come from what had just recently been a, a Premier League side, didn't you, Barnsley? Yeah. And you yeah. know, dropped. Them. And we know the facilities weren't good. Was it a bit of a culture shock to you? Or, no. Or, or, <laughs> it, was no, it was no culture shock at all. I'd, I'd come from, I'd played schoolboy football, Sunday league football from the age of eight to 17. Got changed in port cabins, got changed in crap holes, got changed on a bus, get changed. It's no culture shock. Uh, by the way, Barnsley had Premier League facilities after they left the Premier League, before they were in the Premier League. The facilities were on a part of the Wiggins, let me tell you. The, the changing room was as cold. The pitch was bad. Uh, we didn't have we didn't have a lot of good facilities at Barnsley. We had exactly the same things as what Wigan later came into when they got promoted, which is good characters, good players, good manager. That 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 was it. just because you're sitting in a changing room that haven't been painted and you're washing your own, your own kit makes no difference. There was no culture shock at all. No, not at all no, for me. Not at all. There was a there was a that was a good story as well. Actually, I missed that one. That was a good. There was a culture shock for Jeff Horsfield when he signed it. He put his kit in the middle of the room and I said, "What do you think you're doing with your kit?" Leaving it on the change room floor, he went, yeah, yeah, but you better get it in your bag, mate. You got to wash your own kit. What? What? <laughs> I said, so it's a culture shock for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you think think he might have known differently coming from Halifax, wouldn't you? Yeah, he might. Have, yeah, but he played for Fulham. He'd, he'd had a, he'd been down London then, hadn't he, Jeff? He had his teeth and all sorts. Last question from me: What's your favourite goal that you scored for us? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been asked that one before. It's hard to pick favourite or best. Uh, I, I think the 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 the, the favourite one, or the most memorable one, obviously, is the one that broke Lowe's record. I, I'm not sure if it levelled it or broke it, and it, it the the one I smacked in again, the first one against Palace. Yeah, broke it. But I, I, you know, there's a couple I enjoyed. I, I must admit, I enjoyed the. I, I scored a chip against Notts County that I enjoyed because uh, I'd practiced that a lot in training, running across the goal and. Chipping it diagonally because the goalkeepers all come out, and I, I did enjoy that one. But if you had, if I had to be pinned down on a, on the most memorable one, it's the one obviously that, that brought the record. It was live on Sky. We played really well. We won the game. We thrashed Crystal Palace. Probably that. Yeah. yeah, and they went up that season too, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they didn't look like they were going to after we played. No, no. Adam, I'll bring. We'll bring Adam in. He, this is quite good for us. He's lasted half an hour without. Saying a word, though, and, and I think I, I believe. He's I don't think I've ever been. I've never been quiet for as long, but I've been oh, listening nice. with interest, and the inter- interview was superb there. So I've only I've only got thirty five follow up questions now. No, no, that's not bad. Okay, so first, uh, Simon asked you the question before about best player you've played with. Obviously, during your time at, at Wigan, there was a bit of a turnover in terms of strikers. Obviously, uh, presumably you. you uh, Lowy would have been there. Graham Jones, mm. obviously Simon mm. Simon Howarth, Stuart Barlow, the Duke Roberts. Who who do you think out of those players who you played with up front? Because we probably played in a two, didn't we back then? Who who would have been sort of your favourite player to play with in terms of a strike partner? Hey, but that's hard. Oh, that's hard. Uh, 
I can tell you I think was the was I, I'll, I'll think about it. I can tell you I think was the best that, that should have done a lot better and that was Simon fantastic player he could do anything left foot right foot run edit control finish that goal at Wembley he's <laughs> no, a fantastic fantastic player but he just I don't know there was obviously a chink in the armour somewhere the mentality or you know not not training hard enough not playing I, I, I don't know to be honest he just but ability oh my goodness me what a fantastic player but favourite I don't know there's different different ones for all the different I'd like to play I did enjoy playing up front with Graham when I played up front with him because nobody messed with us because they'd have to have him on the end of him my god that was a hard man um, and a good player as well but oh my god he was hard uh, I think probably because I, I played my best football when I scored the most goals when Nathan arrived so I'd probably have to say Nathan because I scored the most goals and it was kind of a competition you know Paul had made it under no certain terms he said listen You've been doing a really good job, blah, 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 but you've got to score more goals. If you don't score more goals, you're not going to play. So, yeah. you know, when yeah. Nathan arrived, when Nathan arrived, it was a million quid. You know, obviously I'm the striker. I'm thinking, there's a million quid, so he's going to play. I better make sure I play alongside him. So, something had to change. So, I started being probably being a little bit more greedy uh, and, it, and it worked, but it was in a good team. So, I'd, I'd probably say Nathan only because that's when I played my best football, probably. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there were great bunch to pick from there. Obviously, we had some yeah. super strikers in, in the time you was here. Uh, you mentioned it before. One, sorry to interrupt. The funniest one was Lowy. He's some fellow, David Lowy. He's a great, he's a great guy. So he was the funniest one because he's funny, Lowy. Brilliant guy. Yeah. Obviously, he went, went into the coaching side, didn't he, as well? So, uh, yeah. yeah um, just in terms of what you mentioned before about, obviously, during your time there, we, we had... Um, you said Matthias was the manager and you signed him. Benson, Riyok, Colin Greenall did a, did a caretaker spell, Steve Bruce. Mm. And then finally Paul Jewell comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, we, lo- we, lose to, we lose to Canberra Island. We lost at Wrexham 5-1. Mm. Uh, we had some pretty poor performances at home in the league as well. And did you, did you, ever, did you ever feel, because of the turnover in managers, that during that period of time, Paul potentially could have gone, because I certainly didn't turn, I tend not to turn against managers, but after that Canby Island game, there was a lot of frustrated Wigan fans, and given the way Dave Whelan had been with other managers, who I, like Ray Mathias, who was very successful in my view, uh, were you concerned that Paul Joe would move on, or do do you think that Dave Whelan had kind of maybe looked at what he'd done previously and thought we need to keep that continuity in terms of management? Uh, I remember getting beat by Canby Island. I think the week before we beat Stoke 6-0 or 6-1 or something. So it was a shock for everybody. But you listen, we played crap, got knocked out by Canby Island. You, you know, it, it happens. Um, I remember Paul telling us a story probably because I went to work for Paul at Ipswich. And he did tell me a story that after that Wrexham game, and I think it was it was it in the, the Auto Windscreens Cup or something like yeah, that. Yeah, whatever it was called, yeah. I, I, wasn't playing. I don't know if I don't know if I'd been injured or something. I think I, I don't know if I came on in that game or I didn't play. I, I can't. You got, remember, I think but... you got. I think you got injured that season at the start of the season. From memory, was it something about you were playing at, at Brighton and the long the, the uh, yeah, the I, did, yeah or something? I, twist, I twisted my ankle at the, the, the whip thing. They had like 
what a dog all that was. I, it, they had a, a, a sandpit beside the pitch and, and, and I'd gone for a ball and I was running and running. I'd gone so wide off the pitch and I'd had to run around the linesman and my ankle kind of on the side of it and it, it, it hurt. I didn't. God, I, bet, I bet Paul Jewell was thinking, God, the luck's not with me here. You know, I've got the yeah. best striker's got injured in a bloody sandpit. Well, yeah, it was great. But I, I remember he told me a story after that he'd said um, to Paul, it's got a I think they were having a meeting, but I wasn't, I must have been training or something and maybe I was still getting back to fitness. And he told me that there'd been a meeting with the players and him. And he, he, he said, David had a meeting and said to the players, listen, if you don't want to be here, you can do one because this fella's, this fella's staying here. So he's going to be here. It's going to be you lot that can go off if you don't shape up. Anyway, apparently the meeting had finished and then all the players had gone. And he turned to Paul and said, You've got the rest of this year. This year it might be. I said next year if you don't get up, you're gone as well. <laughs> yeah, so well, obviously it worked pa- out because next year we went up, so it was all right. Yeah, well, obviously the pa- patience was rewarded there, and you know that 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 season lives long in the memory. Really, obviously a hundred point season, and yeah, just an just an amazing sort of run. Really, the the... Team. I think you were. I think you guys that were watching were watching the championship team in League One. To be quite honest, yeah. what well, we yeah, in my view, we weren't far off watching. Remember, we'd beaten that season. We beat West Brom, Fulham, yeah. and Man City of the Premier League. It's probably a Premier League team in the way. Yeah. It was a couple well, of extra yeah, players. I, I, I don't. There's a there's a there's a real big jump. It's getting even bigger anyway. But even then, at the time, there was a real big jump between League One and, and the and the Premier League between the Championship. We we were, and you know, let's have it right. Wigan were paying Championship salaries, and they were paying Championship transfer fees as well. And like anything else in life, if you want the best, you normally have to pay for it. And uh, players were coming, and they were coming for for big money, but they were the right players, which was which was proven right because of what Paul did with the club. But uh, yeah, the league wins. The league one season that we went up was a real good season. We had some real good lads and good players and um, you know it was uh, it was really enjoyable to play yeah obviously fantastic to watch and you know those those wins with you you know those wins away from home and you know we won a lot of games that year one or two nil didn't we with mm. superb superb defense super goalkeeper right my yeah. last question is post Wigan um, I stumbled mm. across something the other day just um, as you watching old footage on YouTube and I stumbled across a Sheffield United uh, documentary that was following oh. Warnock around. And oh yeah, because that. That, that's a big that's a big thing now at the moment. There's loads of uh, these things going around. What what was it like having having cameras following nonsense. following you around all season? Nonsense. It was absolute nonsense. That's what it was. These guys are in the changing room. They're following you around. They're following coming in the cha- they're coming in the change rooms at half-time, coming in at full-time, filming this, filming that. What I can tell you is that I've watched that. That bears no resemblance to anything that was going on that season in that changing room. I can tell you now, it was absolute nonsense. Absolute. I suspect most of these are kind of edited, yeah. you know, edited and staged and out of context and everything no, like it was, that. It, 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 it was, to, to be serious about it for a minute, I'd, I'd come from a club where... Paul ran it military style. Training was hard. Uh, the players were physical, but good. Competition for places was good. Training was ferocious, as I explained. But everything was expected to be done properly. And I'd gone from there into a changing room where there were cameras and cameramen filming in the changing room before, during and after games. So 
you can imagine what I thought about that privately. I never mentioned anything to anybody, obviously, because it's you know it was nothing to do with me. It, it, it just won't. Not for me. That stuff's not for me. Well, they always say, don't they, with certain things in the dressing room should should stay in there. Even, you know, a lot of managers after games don't want to talk about what they've well, been saying not, to the players. But it's not, it's not even that. What's the point of it? What's, what's the point of it? To sell to sell videos, to sell DVDs, yeah. whatever you were selling at the time. What's the point of it? What, what is, is, is it? Is it good for the team? Is it? I don't, I don't think it was. Not at all, no. So it, it, that annoyed me. To be honest, it annoyed me that at the time, and uh, still annoys me a little bit. To be honest, with you. Sorry, sorry for bring, sorry for bringing that back up. No, but at no, least we've no, talked no, about all these, no, all these right, good yeah, memories over the years. Listen, you asked me a question. I said I was going to tell the truth. That, yeah. that that's what, what I'm saying to you about leaving for Wigan and Sheffield. And Paul had said to me, mm, "Don't know about that. Uh, maybe there was a reason why I only lasted and then, a year." And then we beat we beat you two 0 on uh, Boxing Day as well that season. I think. Yeah, Wigan were beating everybody, mate. It was quite easy to see they were going to go up. They beat us 4 0 in the home leg. I didn't play at Wigan and we got beat 4 0. I'd done my thigh at Sheffield United and uh, I carried an injury most of that season, to be honest. I'd, I'd done my thigh muscle. But um, yeah, by that time, it, w- it was obvious Wigan were getting promoted. They were the best team in the league by miles. Yeah. Well, I'll, fi- I'll finish on a, my high point, uh, my favourite. Mo- you talked about goals before and because um, long, a long day in the capital and one of my favourite grounds, uh, Brentford. No, no, I yeah. think you scored. You scored a. You scored a, a lob then. I think with about five mm. five minutes left, and Brentford hadn't lost at home all season. Yeah, um, I did. And yeah. I thought that that was when I started to look at the Paul Jewell side and thought no, maybe not this season, but we're all set for next season. It's going, It's looking good, and and obviously, you know, we went on to achieve all those great things the following year. So that that was a nice little nice little chip that one. Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember that goal. He had a goal. He kicked it out, and Lee kind of went for the head. I think he missed it, and. The, I could see the goal coming out of the corner of his eye thinking, oh, I'm going to get decapitated here, so I better make sure I score. Uh, and it was worth the playing, yeah. But we were but, we were right behind it as well, so that's, it's always oh, better yeah. when you're right behind it, isn't it? So. Oh, of course, yeah, it was in that end. It was in that end, yeah. And uh, yeah. It, well, it's a bit different to the Brentford that we've got nowadays. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. very true, yeah. Right, thanks, Andy. Cheers for that. Um, no problem. Right, Andy, I'm just going to come back in and then I'll, I'll let you get off because time is ticking on. I, I, what did I say to you? Ten minutes when I spoke to you the other day. I just have you on for ten minutes, have a quick chat. Yeah, listen, now, mate, it's no problem. It's me, listen, my wife's in there doing Portuguese homework, so I don't really want to go in there, to be honest. <laughs> Unless it's super bock, it's not worth uh, sticking to it, is it? No, no, it's, it's, it's Sagresh, mate. The super bock's not for me, it's the other one, Sagresh. Although I'll take super bock if there's nothing else. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it'd be wrong to, to have you on and not uh, ask you. Um, about what's been going on because obviously it's been well documented <laughs> over recent months um, with what's been going on at Wigan what's your view mm. that's gone on because obviously you, you came in under um, a great time with Mr Whelan um, obviously you were in a, a great moment towards the um, the end of last season and then all of a sudden we're plung- plunged into administration what's, what's been your take on things from um, wh- where you are um. I've got to be honest this season I've watched a lot of football because football without fans isn't football basically it's training ground games alright so we'll we'll have that right that's my opinion it ain't football it's training ground games there's no resemblance to football proper football whatsoever Uh, I I, I didn't really understand it I've got to be honest I didn't understand it I didn't understand what was happening from afar it looked like a guy had got involved that knew nothing about football didn't want anything to do with football had bought a club he knew nothing about and looked like he was running it into the ground. And I was like, 
what's going on there? I'm, I'm not really in, in any position to say, oh, I knew this was happening. I knew that. I, I, I was close. I'm watching from the outside like everybody else would like. I'd finish straight. What are you talking about? What's all that about? And Cookie's doing a really good job. Cookie's a good guy. I, I know Paul. And he's a really good guy. And uh, he must have felt terrible about what was happening because he'd done such a good job with him because it looked like they were going to go down and then they'd come back up and sort of really real fist of it and then to have that done to you I, I just couldn't understand but if the guy's not a footballer the, the, these people that let these people buy football clubs I don't know if it's the FL or whoever it is or whatever they let them do they're obviously not checking on them because these guys obviously didn't know what they were doing so why are the guys that are allowing them to buy football clubs letting them buy football clubs they yeah. seem to be the ones that are at fault and then the supporters, the players, the staff, because there'll be, I presume, loads of staff lost their jobs just because one idiot decides to put, or however many idiots, puts the club into administration and everybody gets wiped out. It's nonsense. Well, but I'm afraid when, when people get involved in football that don't know anything about football, it's dangerous. Yeah. It, it's it's interesting, you know, things you say there, because you know, there's been a number of um, redundancies due to, to what's gone on. Um, we're obviously going through a, a takeover process at the minute, which we will uh, cover cover later on because you know that that's been an ongoing um, mm. task, and it's hopefully that um, that the EFL's fit and proper persons test what they do now will hopefully flag up anything. So that this doesn't happen again because it's happening to too many clubs these days, isn't it? You know, you look at Berry, uh, Bolton, you know ourselves, uh, Charlton Athletic. You know they've had the issues as well. I, I, fit, fit, and, fit and proper persons, what, what what's that mean? Whoever's doing a fit and proper persons test isn't a fit and proper persons test to do that test. No. Can't be. No. Can't be. So I don't know who's doing it, but maybe we should get somebody else. One, one thing I just want to pick up on before we um, look to sign off um, and let, let you get back to a, a nice evening before uh, heading back out to work, no doubt, tomorrow. Um you mentioned, you know, about Paul Cook and, you know, the team mm. they, they fought. There was, I know from, from us guys, there's a real sense that this team, if we'd kept that team together this season, we could have really pushed on because the, the, the makings were there for such, you know, for such a great side. And it, it looks back to me that we could have had um, a, a building like you had in, you know, in your last season. Mm. At Wigan, you know, we we could have really, really pushed on, and I think that's what's what's hit a lot of us because we lost was it thirteen, fourteen players this uh, this summer, yeah. you know, due to, due to things that have gone on, um, and it's it sets the club back some time. You know, you, you know, you you were there when the dream was being built by Mister Whelan. Um, mm. You're now back to square one. We 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 mm. got a new training ground because obviously you'd you'd have been at Christopher Park and enjoyed the uh, yeah. the delights of Christopher Park. You know we had a new training ground, stuff like that. And it, yeah. it, for me, it feels like we've been set back quite quite a long way now. Um, and obviously, there's a big golfing class coming, isn't there, between the Premier League and the Championship? Yeah. But also that's now extending to Championship to League One. Um, yeah. do, do you think? That there is chances for the likes of a, a Wigan to do what we did in the past again, you know, like that's that when when you knew that we were going to go up, that kind of thing. Do you, do you think 
a teams like Wigan that there are those chances now, or do you think there's, there's just too much of a gulf due to money? They're getting the chances are getting smaller and smaller because the gaps are getting bigger and bigger. And obviously, with this stuff, without the with the fans not getting in and the clubs are not getting revenue, that's going to cause a, a, a factor as well. But the the simple fact is that. Wigan lose 13 or 14 players because there's a fire sale and all the vultures call in and take the best players because they're getting them for cheap. That, that's not, you know, that's not hard to see. And then subsequently Wigan lose their best players, which means they're not as good a team, which means they're not going to play at as high a level as probably they should do because they've lost their players. It's simple as that. All comes from, like I said, this whoever this idiot is that's bought the club and then put them in administration or whatever. It, 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 it comes from there because... They, Wigan were a middle-of-the-table team championship last year without the points deduction. So they stay up and, like you said, Paul builds on it because Paul Cook's very similar to Paul Jewell. Likes his players to work hard, play good football and uh, and build a successful team. I saw him do it at Portsmouth. We played against them at Portsmouth, so I saw that. But can they do it? Yes, they can do it again because nothing's impossible, but it's getting harder and harder. What I will say is I played for John, who's the manager now at Wigan. I played for John Holden. And he's a top, top guy. He knows his football. He knows how to deal with players. If he's given the right tools, if he's given the right support, uh, he'll do a good job. Because I played for John. I was captain for John and he's a, he's a top, top, really good guy. And that, that's an interesting point because obviously John's come in in uh, you know, very uncertain circumstances with what's going on. Um, mm. Naturally, because of our situation, results really haven't been what we'd hoped for. Um, but that, that's concerning to know. You know, you've worked with John Sheridan, um, and what, what would be your message to the fans now? Because obviously, we're in a moment. We've come off the the back of a defeat down at MK Dons um, the other night. What would be your message to fans? Because there's a lot of people now getting a bit worried, a bit upset, and a bit frustrated with the results. Yeah, because you want to see your, t- your team win. You're a fan. You want to see your team win. That's what you want to see. You want to see them. Um, Obviously, you want to see them trying extremely hard, as hard as they can, play good football, but you want to see them win. And they're not winning. So the fans are not happy. And guess what? That's the same as every other every other team. But what I would say to Wigan fans or any fans that John is the manager of, I, I played for John. Uh, you know, I played, I was at Oldham for four years. For three of them years, I played with John as a manager. And uh, he's an excellent man manager, knows his football, uh, extremely, extremely good guy. She has his brilliant guy I would consider him a friend and I'm not saying this because he's a friend I, I would say this because I've worked for him he knows what he's doing so if the fans can support him as much as they can however that is these days I, I don't know but he knows what he's doing he knows, if you see I know John went back to Oldham and blah blah, blah but the, if you look back at Oldham in the recent history he was the manager of their most successful times in the recent history 2000s whenever it was when we got in the playoffs they, have, they haven't done a tap since then so you know, he's a, however you can support him, support him because he knows what he's doing because I've seen it. He's ex- excellent with young players. He'll give them a chance. He knows what he's talking about. He can help players get better. He helped me. He helped me with certain things, get better at certain things and that was when I was, you know, 32, 33. He's, he's, a, he's very, very good at his job. But, listen, he's had his best players taken away from him. That can't be easy. The results are not going your way. That can't be easy. And and, and I get it. You know, I've been in professional football a long time. You got to win. Yeah. Doesn't matter how you do it. You've got to win. If you don't win, whoever you are, you're in trouble. 
I think personally we need someone who knows where the net is. You know, someone who can who can score a lot of goals. Uh, maybe a leading goal scorer at a club. So if you're free Saturday, uh, you can know, get back to Portugal. I'm sure there'd be many thousands of people who'd be uh, more than happy to see you pull on the blue and white again. I know you've played a couple of charity matches, haven't you? Uh, yeah. I know Adam. Adam was saying yesterday that he had you in a, a headlock. Um, was it when was it, Adam? As he muted himself, yeah. Yeah, it was the um, about four or five years ago when the I think it was the Dutch might have been the Dutch one. Yeah, um, and there was yeah. a it was a bit of a private private party in. Yeah. Because um, I know Mark cares quite well, and uh, so stupidly allowed me to go into the <laughs> private party. So I think I think there's, I've got a picture of you somewhere with me with you in a headlock, and I think I'm totally. singing all Andy. Oh, singing all Andy Little uh, at the top of my voice, so uh, I do apologise uh, for that. Sorry, that don't apologise for that, mate. Don't worry about it. But I think uh, even if even if even if we did need a forty-seven-year-old bald has been, I need to come back. I'd have to do two weeks quarantine, so you got no chance. <laughs> Games are coming thick and fast, Andy. We, we need we need bodies in um, free agents as well. You uh, might you might need bodies. You don't need my body in there. I tell you that. I'm sure there'll be many, many people who'd love to have you back. Um, before we let you, let, let you sign off, because um, this, this has gone on a lot longer than I thought it would, but it's been great to have you on and have a chat. And, you know, thank you for joining us. Barry, is there anything you'd like to uh, come back in with? Yeah, just like Hi. to say thank you very much, Andy, yeah. for giving your time up. We really appreciate it. No problem. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you and listening to your stories. Fantastic stuff. Thank you. No problem. Adam? Here's Andy. No, listen, any time. Listen, I'd, I'd, fant- I'd fant- I'm not going to kid about it. I had fantastic times playing at all my clubs, but I think uh, you have the most fondness about where you played your best football. There's no doubt about it, playing the best football at Wigan. Uh, I enjoyed playing in front of... Every time I, I came on the pitch, I enjoyed Springfield Park, JJB, whatever it was. I enjoyed playing for Wigan Athletic. I played my best football there and... Uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy my time. It's a club close to my heart, and uh, I hope they can get back to to some sort of normality for that, for all of us. Never mind football in life, but I'd like to see him to see him get back to where they were because it's a great club with with great fans, <coughs> and I enjoyed every minute of it. So I'm uh, and I'm, I'm I'm proud that you've asked me and, and honoured to ask me to come on your podcast because I'm sure there's lots of people you could ask to come on. So uh, it's no problem at all. Happy to do it. Just, just final thought. It just reminded me then that how, how things work out because obviously you talked about your links with Oldham in that first season at the JJB Stadium. The first side to beat us was Oldham Athletic, and I'm pretty yeah. sure John Sheridan was playing that day. It probably Oldham. was. Yeah. Listen, he used yeah. to he used to, join, he used to join in training at, at Oldham when I was playing on one leg, and he was still the best player. He, unbelievable player, I'm telling you now. He, he, won, he had one knee at the size of a the size of a football itself and he was amazing absolutely amazing so uh, we've had some good managers who could play though because Paul Cook was a good one as well wasn't he a good player <laughs> Cook is not in Shez's league Shez was unbelievable I'm telling you now one leg he'd run a training session it was amazing to watch well I, I think anyone got anything else before we, uh, we let Andy uh, sail off into the sunset well Past sunset now, isn't it? This time, this time of night, we're, we're, yeah, it'll be all right. It'll be, it'll be sunny tomorrow, lads. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be in Wigan, you'll know Wigan, it won't be with sunny here. 
Um, Beach Hill will still be miserable. Um, but uh, no, th thanks for replying to us um, and, and thanks for coming on. And thank you for being one of the best that we've had at, uh, at Wigan and giving us so many uh, happy memories over the years. No problem. Thank you for uh, all the support you guys gave me when I was playing. It was a, it, like I said, it was a privilege to play for the club. Great club, great fans, great people, and I hope that they will uh, be back to some normality soon. We can get back in the stadium, support because they need it. The players need support. You know, as much as you think they're getting beat every week, players need help from fans. And when you get back in there, I'd like to think I know you will anyway. So you know, it's it's not been, but it's no problem at all. Anytime, anytime, guys. Well, what a what an opening to I didn't know podcast. I didn't know Paul was here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'll just keep quiet. I am not so good at it's before my time, isn't it? So So yeah, that was um like I say, I was only expecting ten minutes from Andy and uh, we've ended up with just just under an hour of uh, tales and um, some, you know, some good little anecdotes from his time at Wigan. Now, um, as time's ticking on, um, should we um, review our uh, last couple of games and look forward? Or should we just go through the fact that uh, we drew one all with Plymouth, uh, Will Keane got a goal, we had a goal disallowed, we travelled down to MK Dons on Tuesday night, um, and we uh, we lost by two goals to nil. Um, picking up on that last game, the game against MK Dons, um, what was decimated by injuries, the team, wasn't it? Um, do you think that, well, ultimately will have had a bearing on the result, won't it? Yeah, I mean, I think... Losing good players at the best of times is difficult, but when you're losing arguably your best players when the squad is so thin, it, it's it's going to kill us really. And I, I just think you know we've got to we've got to understand at the moment that it's very difficult, and you know I think we've just got to keep behind them all the way. Really, Barry said many a time, if we have a club at the end of the season, that's an achievement. If if we have a League One club at the end of the season, it's probably as big as winning the FA Cup. You know, in a way, the, in terms of achievement, might not be as enjoyable, but in terms of achievement, for me, that that's the thing. Because, and if we can survive this season, I, I enjoyed the last twenty minutes last night because it was look our youth players. There was no fear. As guard came on, looked, looked decent. Chris Mary played long. I'll give longer word again. I thought he played well at the back. So I'm happy with the young players. Some of the some of the senior pros didn't have good games, but it it happens. You know, it's difficult when your confidence is low. You know, and I'm I'm not going to have a go at any player who who's putting on a Wigan shirt at the moment for me. Um, result disappointing, but you know, just got to keep going and hope when we get a full strength team together that we can sort of kick on and and, and start getting some results. Yeah, when you look at last night, we've got our first eleven. That's what we've got. We've got our first eleven, and there were. By eight minutes into that game last night, there were five of that first eleven missing. Um, it's, we, we got what we were going to get, and MK Dons, they, they can knock the ball away. They're not a good side, but they can keep possession. Um, and it was, it, it was just one of them things. 
Gavin uh, Massey uh, got a lot of stick, Barry. What do you take on that? He's, he's deleted his Twitter account, hasn't he? Yeah, well, you know, I, personally, I think Gavin Massey, Massey gets I read stuff and I think, are you, are you watching the same game as me? And people will probably say that to me. I don't think Gavin Massey is a bad player at all. I like him. He's playing out of position. He's a winger. He's playing fullback. He's, he's tactically, it's not his position. Uh, people say he doesn't give 100%. That's bollocks. Every time I play, how, how does pick. anybody, how does anyone know that really as well? How you can somebody know. say that someone's not trying? That is the worst you, thing you, you can don't. say to a footballer. It's, you don't. it's an easy accusation to make, isn't it? Because it's hard anybody to. It's one of those complaints that you make that sound like you know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, I can understand people being disappointed, and I've nothing wrong. I, I, although I wouldn't publicly criticise the players like like has been going on. People do, and that's up to them. But to hurl abuse at players is absolutely disgraceful. Um, they need to have a look in the mirror. I don't, want, I don't want them at this club. If, 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 I don't class them as real fans. If they're hurling abuse at players on social media, then they're not, they're not like an athletic fan. So go and do one and support someone else. I said, and we, you know, we all support anyone who pulls on that, that shirt. We, you know, we're fully in support of at the end of the day. I, I don't for one minute think that anyone crosses that white line and doesn't give 100%. No, I, I just want to come back just, just very quickly. Sorry, I just want to say quickly that doesn't mean that players are beyond criticism. That you know we're in a democratic society. We you know you can criticise, but actually abusing people is is another level. And and I've said this last year about Nesmith, absolutely disgusting. Um, Lattice were fined fifteen hundred pound for not controlling the players at Charlton, um, which you know it's, it's a bit of a strange one really because. All right, there was a bit of a to do, but I don't think it was too over. I've seen worse. Nobody got boots. No. Nobody got boots. It's all worse on Saturday. Did they get charged? They might have, yeah, Adam. Yeah. (laughs) It does make you wonder whether there's some underlying something else gone on, and it's, you know, like when you get booked for the challenge that's quite innocuous rather than the one that you went straight through somebody and got away with. You know, uh, where they're correcting a mistake for something else that they that they feel aggrieved about. I don't know. It just sometimes that happens, doesn't it? And yeah. one one thing we need to move on to because this is what everyone thought the um, the teaser was for for the podcast tonight. The takeover la- latest, Barry. What have you um, what have you got on that? Well, it's it, it sort of. I mean, some of the stuff that we was aware of. Has, has come into the public domain, hasn't it? I mean, a lot of it were anyway, but... That makes I, it quite interesting, that the fact that the EFL approval um, is taking so long to come through, doesn't it? Yeah, but the and only the, problem... The last with thing it, the EFL wants to do is approve somebody who's not up to the mark. Obviously, yeah. there, was no, there was no knight in shining armour like Dave Whelan, was there, who was coming in, who was on his own, could 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 do it. Those people don't exist, do they? So they've got it's got to be consortium, and consortiums take time to put together. But we've still got a football club, and that football club is playing two games again next week, or this this week coming. We play Northampton Town. What a lot of cobblers that is! The referee is Josh Smith from Surrey. He's refereed seven games, issued twenty-one yellows, one red card. Previously, we played. Northampton 35 times, 118, drawn 12 and lost five. Barry, do you have a ref watch? Uh, Josh Smith, yeah, he's, he's relatively new. Uh, this is only his second season. Um, that's it, really. He's never refed us before. So we'll, we'll see what he's like. 
absolutely spot on. I just laughing because it seems like every single ref that we get is relatively new. It's like, let's give him a try for Wigan games. And it's it's shown they've all been absolutely terrible. Yeah. Uh, Adam, do you have a, a special guest? Because I know you turned down the cobblers, but have they um, done you a solid and given you a... Yeah, well, they, they have. I've not had a chance to do my uh, research on what they've actually said because it's just literally been um, been sent through. But I can tell you who we've got. It's uh, Charles Commons uh, from North um, Northampton Town. Um, he's going to obviously give us a preview. Hi guys, it's Charles here from the It's All Cobblers to Me podcast. Uh, you've sent me some questions to answer for you to preview this Saturday's game between Wigan and Northampton. Um, season so far hasn't been particularly brilliant, I wouldn't say. We've won one game, drawn a game and lost the other seven. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> been pretty spectacularly not what we wanted. But, you know, we're new to the division, again, having been promoted through the playoffs last year. Our expectation is simply to avoid relegation. So winning our game against Swindon, which were one of the other teams that promoted last season from League Two, I I think that's a pretty good benchmark almost. I mean, you've got to win those games for us around... Uh, where we are in the table that obviously is pretty much you guys at the moment as well um, so Saturday is going to be one of those games where we're going to have to be looking to take all three points if we want to survive um, it will certainly mean us dropping into the bottom four if you do beat us so quite worrying almost um, a lot of negativity around the fan base at the moment that we see so I mean you're probably aware of it yourselves the vocal minority are the ones that are posting on Twitter and Facebook and forums and things like that there are some people that are calling for Keith Curl to, to leave um, but I don't think that that is going to be likely to happen at all this season he did a really good job of not only promoting us last season or helping us get promoted last season but he steadied the ship when he took over we were in the bottom four of League Two. I think we were about somewhere between sort of 18th and bottom. And it wasn't pretty at all, wasn't very good. And he's done such a good job to get us into League One in the space of basically about one and three quarter seasons. So realistically, I think at the moment, expectations have got to be that we're going to stay up and just about stay up I'd be happy finishing 20th on goal difference that is the kind of season that we're in for I think um star player it's it's a bit difficult I would actually normally say right it's Nicky Adams for for definite but he's not getting the the game time this season. I don't think he's lasted past 60 minutes when he has started a game so it's quite difficult to sort of come here and say he's the one to watch because he might not even be named in the starting lineup on Saturday. The player that I will say that is definitely someone that we're watching here at Northampton with really wide eyes and really looking forward to being able to go and watch him in person is Ricky Corboa or Rocky Balboa as we've nicknamed him. Um, He was signed in pre-season from Car Shelton which is I think tier seven. Uh, They're below the conference and the conference north and south Um, and he has just taken the leap up to League One in his stride. He's an exciting, tricky and quick 
a winger slash inside forward, I suppose you do it. Um, he's basically a player that will look like he's going to terrorise you. And I'd be honest, I don't know if he knows what he's going to do next either. In terms of irreplaceable players, I would really struggle to give you one from a fan's perspective. However, a player that seems to be irreplaceable from the manager's point of view is Samuel Tobias Hoskins. Um, He's started all but one game this year. Um, He had an absolute nightmare on Tuesday night against Portsmouth. Wasn't very good at all. He's not had the best of games for maybe the last three. Um, Even our local newspaper reporters are not giving him stick, but they are saying that perhaps he needs to have a spell out of the team. And that's kind of unheard of. Sam has been here for, I think this will be his seventh season that he's been at the Cobblers. And during that time, he's not been ever present, but he's always been in the squad for a match day, regardless of who's been in charge. And we've had about six or seven managers in that time. So um, he's probably the irreplaceable player in our team but not from a fan's perspective favorite Wigan versus Northampton memory it's quite difficult because obviously we've not played each other for well that many times over the course of the the last sort of 20 30 years that I've been supporting the Cobblers um you know you spent a lot a lot of time in the Premier League and Championship so away from us however Going back maybe 20 years ago now, I remember going to what was the JJB um, at that time. And I think it was the last day of the season. And we we lost 3-0, I think. Um, But we stayed up. And it was because another team, I think Colchester possibly, um, had lost their game. And therefore, we stayed up on the last day of the season by the skin of our teeth. And yeah, it was memorable for you know not for being anything to do with the game itself essentially we lost and yeah it wasn't pretty but the outcome for us was a good one um so that's pretty much it um in terms of memories of of going to Wigan um and I live in Warrington so normally when I go to Wigan it's to watch the rugby and that's when Warrington beat Wigan usually um score prediction then I'm going to say that the Cobblers are going to win 2-1. We will definitely concede. We've not yet had a clean sheet the whole season so far. Um, So you'll definitely score. But I just think that both teams are on quite a poor run. And I've got to go with my heart and say that we will start to pick up points. November is going to be a really big month for us. Um, We've kind of played most of the top eight by now, I think the only teams that we've played who aren't in the top eight are Shrewsbury, um, Wimbledon and Swindon. And we've picked up points in all of those three games. That's basically where our seven points have come from. So we've got to get something out of this game on Saturday. You'll be thinking exactly the same, of course, but there seems to be something a little bit wrong at Wigan at the moment. So I'm going for a 2-1 Cobblers win. Thanks very much, guys. Enjoy the game. Hopefully not too much. And we'll see you, hopefully, if fans are ever a liar back in, down at Sixfields. Well, 
I'm, I'm sure it was an interesting listen. Obviously, we were recording this and we, we insert it. Uh, but, Adam, how do you see the game going on Saturday back at the D-Dub? Well, I mean, it's absolute madness, isn't it? If you'd have said back in end of June, early July, that come uh, November or October, November, late October, early November, that Wigan Athletic against Northampton Town would be a relegation six-pointer in League One. I mean, that that does make that you know that does upset you, doesn't it? From where we were, uh, it's very difficult at the moment. I don't think, in general, our performances have been too bad. Um, take MK Dons and um, Crew outs. I think we've been well in games, but we've got to start getting better in both boxes. Stop giving silly goals or whatever. And and try and get that, try and work that position better. Get some shots in, uh, like John Sheridan said last night. Get some crosses in, because I think we can look dangerous when we do that. Yeah. So well, I'm just hoping that this Milton Keynes is a wake-up call, and we might get a two-one win. Two-one win, Paul. Um, we are getting into that stage where we need points, aren't we? So yeah, I'll, I'll go one-nil win. One-nil, Barry. Keep it quick, see as we're over an hour. Yeah, one apiece. I'm back in the draw as well this weekend. And then we um, we met the short trip to Bloomfield Road on uh, Tuesday night. I believe there's some Lassix fans who've booked hotel rooms in the uh, stadium hotel with pitch side views. Um, Barry has been offered the chance to go by his lovely wife, but has declined to stay and t- uh, tend to her every need. Um and I think we all know that's, that he won't be doing that. He'll have his earphones in listening to the Latics. But the uh, the referee is Ben Toner from Lancashire. Uh, he's refereed nine games, issued 34 yellows and one red. Barry, by any chance, do you have an interesting fact about him? I do, yes. Uh, we go back a couple of years to the uh, uh, Blackpool v Portsmouth game uh, when uh, they was having a lot of problems with the Oysters. Ben Toner was down to referee the game and the EFL pulled him because of his name. Bent Thorner. Ah. Ah. So, uh, and funnily enough, we're playing Blackpool on uh, on Tuesday and we were concerned about our takeover and Ben Thorner is once again the referee. So, <laughs> well, yeah, he's from Lancaster as well. Uh, you got your ref watch there, is he relatively new or...? No, 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 he's refereed a few times before. Don't he? He's, 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 in fact, he, I think the last time he refereed us was against Northampton, who we played on Saturday. Yeah. And we, we won that game 1-0. We've played per, uh, Perkins. We've played Blackpool uh, 47 times, 121 drawn 10 and lost 16. I was there Good when record. Perkins scored. That's where I was coming from, the Perkins bit. Um, Barry, how do you see the game going? Oh, no, wait. Actually, Adam. Adam asks. Yeah, I've got Adam Ass, another friend of mine. You know, I've got more than more than two. Uh, big Blackpool fan, uh, so he's going to preview the game. His name is Paul Smith, not the designer though. How's the new season going? Well, we started with a lot of uh, positivity, obviously with um, the new manager. Um, but to be honest, it's um, it's been quite disappointing um, since day one. Um, massive amount of changes in the playing staff, of course. Um, but pretty much all of Simon Grayson's signings have now left. 
either permanently or on loan. Uh, obviously, it was a big statement when um, we appointed Neil Critchley. He'd uh, been highly successful at Liverpool's academy, and um, it was seen as a, as a bit of a statement of intent that we were finally looking looking to the future, I guess. Um, a lot of the games we've played so far, we've had um, horrendous starts with a lot of early goals conceded, so we've been fighting an uphill battle, uh, pretty much. Um I think style of play-wise, it's, it's been a big change since Simon Grayson took over. We, it's A lot of focus is put on possession, um, but at the moment the, um, there's not much penetration, um, a lot of sideways stuff, um, and it, I mean, it was a massive um, win on Saturday against MK Dons because the pressure was really starting to mount. Uh, what's it been like since the change of ownership at Blackpool? Um, well, I think Positivity is the main word, although the start of the season has started to dampen that a little bit. Um, seeing the crowds return to Bloomfield Road after years of protest was absolutely outstanding. Um, I think what we need right now is a bit of patience. As I mentioned earlier, we've we've um, had a massive overhaul in the playing staff. Uh, 17 new players have come in over the summer and 21 have left, so... I think we've got a number of fans who are expecting instant results, but with a turnover like that, that's extremely unrealistic. Um, what's been great to see is, though, is they've engaged the community. Um, a lot of local businesses now are in partnership with the club, uh, something which was completely unheard of under the Oyston tenure. Um, it seems a long, long time since the protests were happening. And hopefully it'll be a long time before we see or hear of the Oysters again. Uh, what has been my favourite match between Wigan and Blackpool? Um, I think, uh, well, obviously the um, opening day of the Premier League season uh, back in 2010. Um, 4-0 victory for Blackpool to send them top of the Premier League, something which I never thought I'd see during my lifetime. Uh, but from a personal level, actually being at the match in um, 2014 when we managed a 2-0 win at the DW Stadium was amazing. That was under the guidance of Barry Ferguson and that was a huge result in ensuring that we survived um, in the championship that year. Um, goals from Andy Keogh and Stephen Dobby sent the packed away and crazy. And I remember, I remember that like it was yesterday. A prediction for the game, um, I have to say um, I, I expect it to be quite a tight affair. Um, Blackpool's games haven't been thrilling so far this season. Um, a lot of low-scoring affairs. Um, I'm obviously hoping for a win, but I, I've got a feeling it, it could be a bit of a KG one-all draw. Um I think the big thing for Blackpool is if they get off to a good start, that seems to breed confidence because we are quite a young team. Um, I think if we lose the first goal, it might be difficult for us to um, come back. But I'll go for a 1-1 draw. Who's been the star performer this season? Um, I think without doubt it's um, been CJ Hamilton. I mean, um, it's, it's a while since I've seen a player with um, his pace um, gracing Bloomfield Road. Um, although he was signed from League 2 Mansfield, he seems to have picked up pretty well in League 1. Um, 
But what I would say is um, a couple of the signings on the last day of the transfer window have made a huge impression in a short space of time. Um, a lot of excitement about um, the new centre-back, um, Northern Ireland international Dan Ballard, who we signed from Arsenal. And um, he's played two games so far and been man of the match in both. And also Ben Woodburn, who you might recall from his uh, Liverpool days. Um He's been pretty influential since he signed as well. Hopefully, bring a bit more of a bit more creativity in the final third, which is um, what we've been lacking. Um, our centre forwards, in particular, haven't looked like they'll be finding the net too often. Yeah, that's a quite an interesting review. Um, obviously, I was talking about what it was like post Oyston, uh, which is clearly a lot better than it was when I, the Oystons were there. Um, but yeah, like us. Not not overly pleased with the start of the season because I think they they had higher expectations as well than what we had. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully that at least it's more positive off the pitch now. It looks like you know the community's getting behind them again. So let's just hope that that happens to us relatively soon. Uh, do you want me to go straight into my prediction? Why I'm on? Yeah, go for it. One one. Paul? Uh, I hope it's not like the game this week where the biggest positive you can take out of it is the fact that it's finished by nine o'clock. Uh, Andy Lido was spot on. It, you know, it's just not right without fans in the ground, especially when you've got a derby match like Blackpool. Uh, I'll go 1 0 Latics win again. And Barry? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we're going to. Put one of the draw out the bag, and I'm going to go uh, one apiece again. Super, I'd, I'd take a draw right now. Uh, points on the board, isn't it? Anyone that got anything they'd like to bring to the table before we end tonight's pod? It's been a long one. It has, it has been a long one. I'd like to say thank you to Sir Andy Little um, for coming on the podcast tonight and his, his contributions to not only the pod, but to the Latics over the years. Um, thank you to you guys for this evening. Uh, it's been thank lovely. You. Thank you, Simon. Being in your company, and um, let's hope for some positive results this weekend, and uh, for our form to turn around. So, on that bombshell, it's a good night from me, and it's a good night from us. Uh, good night, Vienna. Up the ticks.